Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. What's up? Then after that, Christian. Hey, what's going on, guys? George. What's up, guys? Kevin. Yo. And just like that, that is the Heat vs. the World squad for today's episode. So to start it off, it's officially a time to announce that the NBA playoffs are here for the Miami Heat. They finished the season 53-29 and 29 while holding the best record in the Eastern Conference, which is the fourth time they've ever accomplished this in franchise history. And, you know, there's so much taking place right now, like, What's everyone's takeaways when looking back at these past 82 games? Uh, Kick us off, Anthony. Listen, I mean, (laughs) unexpected, if I had to pick a word, uh, just because the the kind of finish that they had when you take into account the injuries is nothing short of phenomenal, is nothing short of amazing. To come together and have all the surprises, unexpected as far as the Caleb Martin outbreak, the uh, Gabe Vincent out of nowhere. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't too big a fan uh, of Gabe last year, but he turned himself to a great rotation player. Max Strews building upon what he did last year, just times 10, uh, just unexpected and overall positive outlook. Of course, like any season, it's a roller coaster full of up and downs. But I mean, if I had to rank the regular season, a scale from one to 10, I'm giving it a 10, you know, being the best, even the playoff, depending on, uh, you know, your opinions on what opponents you want to face. You could even argue the bracket played out perfectly because you wouldn't have to face Milwaukee to the final round. So overall, positive, unexpected. You saw a lot of great things. And I'm at a point where my confidence going into the playoffs is at an all-time high. Right. And you, Christian? You know, I think that this was a sensational heat for Miami. And I honestly would not have picked them to be the first seed at the end of the season. I think that there were some really, really great teams in the East that just didn't up getting, uh, end up getting over the hump. However, actually looking at the season as a whole, it's almost like I feel like Miami underachieved. I feel like there were definitely some games that they could have won, that they should have won, and they probably could have been a 60-win team. However, no wins really matter after you get that first seed because you already have the first seed locked up, whether they have 49 wins in the first seed or 60 wins in the first seed. 
uh, the most important thing is they do have that home court advantage in the East throughout the whole playoffs. And that's what we were saying before is the best spot for Miami to be in as far as seating wise is the one where they have the best home court advantage. So I think it was a really successful season. We got to see some new players come out and show their talent. We had the emergence of Struess, Caleb Martin. Uh, we had some contributions from Gabe Vincent when players were injured. And now that Miami is looking healthy as a whole, I think that we're just in that zone. So going into the playoffs, Miami's definitely one of the most dangerous teams in the East. And it's hard for me to see, looking at how this bracket's lining up right now, the Miami Heat not making at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. And then how about you, George? Yeah, look, it's definitely, it was not something I expected walking into the season. I said, I thought we had a lot of questions after last season, but um, you know, a lot of variables came in. We got Caleb, we got Lowry, we got um, a more, you know, a better, a better bench, a more versatile crew all the way around. And the big help was, um, was Tyler Hero taking that step forward, um, being that little bit more self-conscious that, you know, we, we had a lot more work to do than we thought from the last season. So, and Victor Oliva coming back was, was big as well. I love just the energy he brings and provides for us a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good times just as his first, while it's lasted, he had 40 points last night, which we all know, which was just brilliant to watch, but you really can't say too many bad things about the season that we've just had. And I just, I still, I still can't believe it's over. We, we've finished an 82 game season and it feels like yesterday we just signed Lowry. So it's just been a massive roller coaster of emotions back and forths as well. A lot of new rivalries, a lot of new questions to be answered as well, walking into this playoffs, but, Nothing's going to be, um, you know, nothing's going to take away the fact that we're the first seed, which is something that we could have only dreamed of to be, you know, to be coming here to uh, into the playoffs. So a lot of work ahead of us, but the work that's been done so far has just been phenomenal and it's been great to see. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, man. Um, to be honest, this was everything I expected. Um, you know, I think the biggest issue with last year's team, the reason that we got swept by the Bucks was that, Honestly, like the Bucks are just better, but they had a point guard and we didn't. Nothing against Goron, but bringing in a real floor general like Kyle Lowry, I think opens up everything because let's be honest, point guard is the most important position in the game of basketball. If you don't have a point guard, you're not going to compete like that. And we got that. You know, you add in, like Anthony said, you add in, you know, the emergence of Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. You know, you bring in championship caliber players like Marquise Morris and, of course, Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker. You know, Tyler Hero is in his, what, third season now, if I'm not mistaken. I knew he was only going to get better because we all know last year, I wouldn't even say he hit like a sophomore wall. It's just, it's, it happens when you're, when you're going through growth, it's not always linear. You know what I'm saying? You're going to struggle sometimes. The NBA, you're playing against the best players in the world. So I knew he was going to struggle a little bit, but the way that he plays, he always has a chip on his shoulder and he's always trying to get better and he's not done getting better at all. So um, this is exactly what I expected, man. You know, Jimmy has always been Jimmy. He's had two great seasons the past two years, you know, bam, we all want him to be more aggressive. He's been much more aggressive. And just as a team, again, like like y'all been saying, with all the injuries and different rotations and different guys having to step up and play different roles, I mean, it's been a hell of a season. I can't wait to watch it continue in the postseason. Right. And, George, I know you got something you want to add. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I, I want to reiterate, reiterate a point that uh, Kevin was making a second ago with, with the addition of P.J. Tucker as well. And not having a point guard, we, we had a lot of holes last year that, that weren't filled. All the positions that needed to be uh, sorted out, we didn't have that perfect complementary piece next to PJ, uh, next to uh, Bam, which ended up being PJ, which is fantastic. And 
was leading the league in three-point percentage for a, a large portion, doing it at a very high level. Kyle Lowry, we, we, we didn't get the full experience of Kyle Lowry, in my opinion. He, he was a great leader, and, and I feel like he started really strong. Died off closer just after the All-Star break and a bit before as well, where he hit his low point. Uh, he wasn't making shots. He was passing at a good level, but he wasn't um, contributing on offense, which, which is what we really, really needed him to do. And over the last, I'll say, eight to ten games, he's absolutely picked it up to a playoff level where we can see him being a codependent uh, piece alongside, you know, alongside Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler as well. So, you know, great, great season all the way around. But this, like uh, Kevin said, a lot of excitement to come as well. Excited to see who we're going to verse in the first round. Right, and Kevin, I know you want to add on too. Yeah, um, you know George said it too because I wanted to say that like he fans shouldn't be um, too nervous because I don't, I genuinely don't think that we've seen the best of Kyle Lowry or Jimmy Butler. I think both those guys kind of cruise through the regular season because you know they could afford that luxury with the teammates that they had. And All Star players, veteran players. Let's be honest, not all all-star players are going hard 100% of the time in the regular season. The best players, they take their game to another level in the playoffs, and I think both Jimmy Butler and Kyle are both capable of doing that. So I think that's a big positive for us going into the postseason. Right. For me personally, you know, looking back at the season, like there's so much to be happy about. You know, we've dealt with so much injuries, and the fact that we were able to still be you know, where we are right now, you know, be first place in the Eastern Conference and, you know, win all types of games without Jimmy, without Bam, without Kyle, without Tyler. You know, it's just amazing. And it just shows how much resilience this team has had this year. And, you know, now we got the full squad together and you just can't help but be excited for what's ahead come playoff time. And, you know, that's one thing I want to talk about for the season But, you know, moving on, you know, before we close the book on the regular season and talk playoff basketball, I want to go around and ask you guys what's your favorite moment or moments are so far this year. And you can start us off, George. Well, I think this season was no, there was no shortage of just great moments. Just like any season, you're going to have really, really high points. And a couple of those would be when uh, Jimmy Nolly got his head kicked in by, by Haslam. That was excellent. And um, that was much needed. So that was probably the high point of my <laughs> of my experience with this team. But um, no, there, there's been so many. Just the, the immersion, the immersion of um of Tyler Hero into the offense, just being a real just factor coming off the bench and being our leading scorer. I remember reading a, st- uh, a, a take at the start of the season saying Jimmy uh, Tyler Hero will be this this team's leading scorer. Everyone was laughing at them. Everyone was. You know, making jokes, but he he did it at, at such a high level, and this is the jump we see from players like Trey Young, like Donovan Mitchell as well, and like Devin Booker. The, these the, the, Tyler Hero has gotten such a bad rap uh, because he was here last year, but because he did it at such a young age, where he went into the bubble and and had that spectacular performance, uh, he he just got wrote off in the end. So it's good to see him bounce back and in in, in a massive way as well. Uh, but another quick point was the uh, another high point was the start of the season when we we absolutely demolished uh, the the Milwaukee Bucks. We we killed them, and we also killed them without Jimmy or Bam. Uh, when Kayla won, dropped thirty on their heads, which was amazing as well. 
so many there's no shortage of great 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 moments but um but yeah it's always going to be the high points of the season are going to be the best it's just about the the way they they continue from now on as well it's going to see even, probably even better points to talk about right and you anthony well first of all george i knew someone was going to take it i was hoping it wasn't going to be first George took my favorite moment, which was that game against the Bucks, where Caleb Martin single-handedly took down Giannis Adenokounmpo and the defending champs. That was definitely one of my favorite games this year, one of my favorite games of all time, because that was the moment that I looked at this team and I said, whoa, I said, this team is deep. Like, it, it truly, obviously, this team always found guys out of nowhere. But just after that game, it, I went to another level of, of appreciation for this team scouting department. And just, just to think, if you would have told ourselves two months prior that we'd see Caitlin Martin do something like that, you you would have said, no way. You know, a two-way player at the time that none of us really knew nothing about. Just the appreciation for this scouting department and the organization from top down uh, is just unreal because of the, the whole year, really. But specifically, that game was my favorite. And, of course, he brings up a good point about Tyler Hero. Uh, I, don't, I don't think many people expected this kind of jump from him. But this is the kind of jump that can take this team, you know, from a championship contender to championship favorites, you know, other than, of course, the Phoenix Suns who are having a crazy year. So that was my favorite moment. Matt, I just want to shout out this podcast, man. This is my first season, you know, uh, first heat season joining this podcast. Had a great time. Met some great people and looking forward to going into the playoffs. And, of course, started my Miami Heat YouTube channel this year, too. Y'all can find out by searching Anthony DiNardo. So first year, you know being a part of the heat media, I guess, and meeting all you guys. So I just want to shout that out. And that's probably been my favorite part. Yes, sir. And then Kevin, how about you? Oh man, I got a few. Um, I think the first one was probably when we went to Dallas, played the Mavericks. I believe it was a nationally televised game. I feel like the world finally got to see the heat, this heat team complete. You know, I just think that was one of the best team performances as a whole. You know, Kyle Lowry had a great game. Jimmy was doing his thing. Tyler Hero put on a show in front of everybody, Bam was on this thing. I think that was, like, the game that showed everybody that this Heat team is for real. And, like, that, that team is a legit title contending team. And then the other one was I, – I don't remember if it was the first or the second time we played the Bulls. I think it was the second time it was in Chicago. And Gabe Vincent just went crazy. Um, you know, like Anthony kind of said a l- little bit earlier, like, last year – and I said on here, too, multiple times. Like, last year, every time Gabe Vincent put, on a sh- put or threw up a shot, I thought it was bricking every single time. But this year – Again, he stayed the course. You know, he found some confidence. You know, the coaching staff believed in him. His teammates believed in him. And he stepped up to the plate. A lot of people didn't know who Gabe Vincent was. Um, being from California, I heard a little bit about him. Um, I seen a couple of his UC Santa Barbara games. Honestly, I never would have thought he would have been in the NBA. I thought he'd probably be overseas somewhere. But to see him, again, stay the course, it's a dope thing to see. Sometimes the journey is the best part. And I think that was one of the better moments. Um, Oladipo going for 40 against his old team. Um, was a dope moment, too. I'm always rooting for Victor Oladipo. A lot of people trying to count him out, but that was a great moment, too. But I'd probably say that my favorite one was definitely that Dallas Mavericks game because that showed that the Heat were a real title contending team. Right. And, Christian, what's the moments on your mind? Uh, there are so many good moments. I know a lot of them already got mentioned. Uh, but I really liked Kyle Lowry's return to Toronto. I know it doesn't necessarily have something to do with Miami, per se, but the fact that Kyle, you get to see the perspective of the Toronto fans where he spent nine seasons with them and won a championship, how grateful they were and how just truly great of a point guard he is. And to me, that sort of signified, you know, what Miami needed and how they found success this season was through the excellent leadership of Kyle Lowry. So just that return. 
And then there was one game in uh, towards the end of February where Miami beat the Spurs one thirty three to one twenty nine, but the big three just completely went off. Bam had thirty six, Jimmy had twenty seven, Tyler had twenty seven, and it's games like that where it makes you realize just how great Miami can be when they're all playing together and firing on all cylinders. I mean, Kyle had 13 and 10 as well. So I just liked as a whole this season, but specifically that game as well. Um, Watching Eric Spolstra coach and make adjustments is nothing short of sensational. Uh, He was named as one of the top 15 coaches in NBA history. And I couldn't agree with that more. I honestly even say he might push himself into the top five by the time all is said and done. And then aside from that, the worst losing streak Miami had the whole season was just a four game losing streak towards the end of the season, which we talked about. And we said, wait, well, maybe if Miami tightens it up at the end of the season, we can see them, you know, getting someplace that they want to be. And now they're the first seed. So I just think as a whole, it was a great season. Some awesome moments in there, some not so awesome moments with the whole UD Jimmy fight, but overall they got the first seed. And that's really all you can hope for when you're coming out of a regular season as an NBA team. Right. I agree. And I know George, you got something you want to put in. Yeah, just quickly um, to Christian's point, I wanted to put a rebuttal into that. Um, I, I actually think that the, the fight between UD and Jimmy was an amazing moment for this team because it really showed that the people in this organization care. The players cared so much about this, this team and about success. You know, a lot of teams have gone on four-game losing streaks and then, you know, shrugged their shoulders to it. Teams went on 10-game losing streaks and they didn't care. This team was slipping and it almost caused a a full-on fight to to happen. Now, to the other point I wanted to add, there were two really, really funny moments I wanted to point out as well. Um, One is a collection of moments where Tyler Hero decides to become, you know, he was looking for his shack to his Kobe and was chucking lobs left, right, and center. And the one of the funniest things I've ever seen all season was when Tyler Hero tried to lob a 41-year-old Udonis Haslam and <laughs> UD ended up courtside, which was the funniest thing ever. And another really great moment um, that we take with Grandin, not a lot of people talk about this, when we were all injured, uh, when we were you know down and out, when we were depressed that you know Jimmy and everyone was, was injured and, and, and out, we decided that we decided to sign some ten day guys, and one of those ten day guys was uh, Mario Chalmers. Now, moment of silence for Mario Chalmers' second career, because it never happened. He never got to play any minutes. But besides that, just seeing that post that Mario Chalmers has signed with the Miami Heat just made my my skin crawl. And I've been a Heat fan since really early in my life, since I was six or seven years old. And there's been very few moments like that where I would just feel such such happiness and such, you know, pride in my team. Just seeing that guy named and seeing him on the benches again, it's just, it made the whole season worth it. That was the best point. Right. You know, and that's honestly a really good point by you, George. You know, seeing Mario Chalmers come back, you know, I really wish he did play a game for us, but, you know, it is what it is. And also another few great moments to bring up from my end 
You know, I'll never forget that game against Philly where Gabe Vincent went off. Like, one of the most favorite gifts that the Heat has used this year, specifically against Philly, is when the crowd is on walk now of the arena because they can't believe that Gabe Vincent just came in and owned their team. You know, like, that was such a great moment. And honestly, I still love that game, and specifically because of the fact that you know, that specific footage of the fans just leaving the arena. Like an undrafted player, like Gabe Vincent, he went out and caused all of that to happen by just being that killer that nobody thought he was capable of being. You know, so there's that. And also, this was something that happened off the court, but still, I have to bring up the iconic picture. Like, I can't even stress this enough. The iconic picture after the whole Heat Nuggets game where he got the Heat players just standing outside the Nuggets locker room. Like, bro, can we just talk about that for like a quick second? Because I remember waking up the next day and someone posted that. I thought that was some fan art for a second, but nah, like they were literally outside the locker room. And it was just such a great photo that if the Heat do end up winning the championship this season, like, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen. We'll see, but it would be such a great picture to look back on years to come. So overall, like, there are so much great memories looking back at this season. And honestly, you know, you can ask for anything to be better, you know. So let's head into this playoffs and let's get ready to see the fight that this Heat team puts on. So I feel like we've talked so much about regular season that now it's time to talk about the playoffs. So... Now that we've talked everything that we need to talk about regarding what we've seen so far from these past 82 games, we now got to look into what's ahead of us because we've seen so much happen specifically with the rotations, you know, and specifically after that loss to Brooklyn, which ended up being our second second to last loss of the season, um, the Heat would roll out with a new rotation, which would cause us to go undefeated for almost the rest of the season until that game against Orlando. But honestly, that doesn't count because Michael Mulder was literally starting for us alongside Haywood Highsmith, someone that UD literally called out. We're we're not going to go into detail about it, but y'all should check that out on the Heat's Twitter page. But yeah, so, you know, you look at the Heat's new rotation, which has been working out so well so far. Like, do you guys think that the rotation should stay the way as it is come playoff time? Or do you guys think that the Heat can maybe switch it up? Um, we'll start off with you, Kevin. Um, I think it's good as it is right now. But honestly, I want to say that I think there's going to be a point in time where Spo is going to have no choice but to play Victor Oladipo. Because to me, in my opinion, he does one thing better than anybody else on the team. And that's the ability to get into the paint consistently off his own dribble. You know, Jimmy, he's going to try and back you down and bully you to get to his spots. Bam, same thing. Tyler Hero, he kind of needs to get it off the catch to get to his spots. He's not that strong yet. Eventually, he'll get to there, but he still needs a little bit of help to get to his spots. Kyle Lowry, we all know, isn't the fastest guy, but when you're able to get into the paint consistently, what you do is you make the defense collide and crash, and you free up opportunity for your shooters, like Duncan Robinson and Max Struess and all the other guys. And so I think... That's invaluable. And we've seen that Oladipo can still guard at a high level. Like, that side of his game, that aspect of his game, didn't take any step back. And I knew that was going to be the case. And he can still score. So I really think that 
it's going to come down to a situation where Spoh's just like, you know, forget this. We got to play this dude because he does something that most guys on this team just aren't really capable of doing. So aside from that, though, I think the rotations are set. You know, hopefully PJ can come back, you know, feeling better, um, fully, you know, healed up from that strain. But, you know, Spoh going to figure it out. He's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the league. So I'm not too worried. I trust in him. But I really do think that it's going to come a point in time where they're going to have no choice but to play Depot. Right. And you, Christian? So I think I can identify the Heat's best potential starting lineup for the playoffs. And I think that includes the big three and two guys who can shoot the three ball. So if I had to say right now who they should have in their starting lineup, they should have Bam at the five, probably PJ at the four, Jimmy at the three, Strews at the two, but he could also alternate at the four with PJ. And then Kyle Lowry, obviously at the one Tyler hero coming off the bench. But what I think is going to happen, which might be a little bit of an overreaction uh, in light of past games, but I think Depot might creep his way into that starting lineup somehow. I don't know. I think Struess is going to be the one that gets taken out in favor of Depot. But I think just with that 40-point eruption and the way that Olin Depot has been playing the past couple games, I think Miami would actually be you know, uh, a little bit foolish to not try to use him to his full potential if he isn't producing like how he did in the Orlando game or if he isn't efficient from the field obviously but to have that offensive threat in your starting lineup to sort of jump out at the beginning of games and then of course you bring in Tyler to drop you know 20 something off the bench you have your defensive guys coming off the bench I can see Oladipo really being a starter for this Miami Heat team in the playoffs right and how about you Anthony okay I want to preface this by saying that I don't have Duncan Robinson in my lineup. Okay. And listeners of this podcast know I'm not one of those Duncan haters. He's actually one of my favorite guys on the team and I fully believe in him, but I had came up with my plans for the rotation a couple of weeks ago. And that's when he was still starting. And I said, either him or Struess has to play. I know they don't you know, play the same exact role, but I didn't think there was a spot for both of them. And obviously since Struess has been in the starting lineup and they've been playing so well, I think you have to roll with Struess. Okay. So I like the starting lineup the way it is now because obviously they've been very successful successful with it. Tyler is a lock off the bench. Prior to last night, I did have Gabe Vincent, but I think I'm going to have to go with Oladipo because Christian and Kevin bring up some really good points. And aside from that too, you know, these guys are role players. The uh, Gabe Vincents, the Max Struces, the Caleb Marnes, those guys are really well in the regular season, but it still remains to be seen what, what type of playoff performers they are. Victor Oladipo is a guy who's been there before. He's been an all-star player in this league for multiple years. He's been to the playoffs multiple times. This is a guy that, that knows what it takes, and I have more faith in him going into the playoffs. Now that we know, we've seen a few great games from him knowing that his body is healthy. I know he took a couple hard falls last night, but I look at that as a good thing because when you come back from such a major injury, sometimes you need to hit the ground a couple times and know that your body is normal and you know that, that you're good to go. So that was a really positive sign last night that tells me that Depot is back. And I do think at some point, like Christian said, if Max Strew starts to struggle from the three-point line, I think we could see Depot slide into the starting lineup at some point, just as a bit of a wild card for Spolster to pull, either him or Tyler. But I think he's saving that card to pull if things get bad. So off the bench, I would like to see Tyler. I'd like to see Depot. Those are your two backup guards. As far as the other wings slash guards, I think Caleb Martin is the best. I think he's probably the best two-way player you have on the bench. Obviously, a little bit of a better two-way player than Duncan. Again, all different players, but uh, 
he's probably about as good a defender as Gabe Vincent, if not better. Uh, Three-point shots, not, not as good, but it's there. We've seen it from Gabe Vincent. So I like him as the backup wing. And then I would go with Dwayne Dedman just because I think he's everything that you would want from a backup big. And, I mean, I guess you'd go to Markeith in some spot minutes if you were going against maybe a little bit of a smaller team. But that's the bench I like. Same starting lineup, and I like Tyler, Depot, Caleb, and Dedman. Uh, a lot of guys might say Spolster would never go nine deep in the playoffs. Most, most coaches go eight. But I think having such a big, a deep team can be a huge advantage. I mean, we saw how exhausted the Bucks and the Nets were last year playing those star players, you know, 45 minutes. You know, can you imagine if, if we're able to play, you know, nine guys, maybe play a Caleb and Vincent, and Jimmy goes into the fourth quarter only playing 35 minutes where KD's played 40? I think that's going to be a big difference, especially down the stretch, and it could win us a lot of close games. So I like the nine-man lineup with those guys coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And you, George? I think you guys have got it all wrong. I think the obvious starting lineup should be Michael Mulder at the one, Javante Smart at the two, Highsmith at the three, Udonis Haslam at the four, and Ute Seven at the five. Uh, well, if you don't... All right, I'm sorry. That was the G League starting roster. Um, the uh, I think the besides the obvious starters, in my opinion, that's that's going to be Lowry, uh, Lowry, Struess, Jimmy... Bam and Tucker, not obviously in their positions, but you know what I mean. The the only three constants after that are um, uh, uh, Tyler Hero, Dwayne Dedman, and Caleb Martin. I think those are the three obvious sticking points of the bench. If you're going to run eight deep, that's the eight deep you run. Um, I I think it's going to be hard to not run run a nine man rotation, especially. You know, against a lot of these other teams, where we're going to have to tailor our game to different to different opponents. Having someone like Duncan Robinson on the bench uh, and not playing him Oladipo on the bench, not playing him, is going to be so hard to watch. And who knows? Even I think that Markeith Morris will actually have some minutes in the in the playoffs to come if we do get an opponent with with bigger bodies and they've got, you know, they've got a lot more you know presence in the paint than we think that we we can handle with just Bam. You might even see him come in. So I think it's going to be a revolving door of a rotation. I think there's a one-set rotation that Spolstra has found that he likes enough. Uh, I think if he's going to, have to choose one, it's going to have to be the one that he's been playing over the last few games, besides obviously last night, which doesn't count. Uh, but those are the three constants, and they're going to put a wild card in there. You've got to figure out how to put Oladipo. Because if Oladipo goes out... It, he, I know, I know it's against the old Lander Magic, and I know the game we lost, and I know the game didn't mean much. But you don't just drop forty points like that and then get cut out of a rotation. You re- you, it's going to be so hard to not play him. N- not not just that. How are you not going to play Duncan Robertson? How is that going to be a thing? You've just paid him fifteen and a half million to what bench ride? Ain't going to happen. So Caleb Martin is arguably our second best player off the bench. Arguably. And you're not going to play him? I don't know. It's going to be a very, very interesting, you know, decisions to be made from Swolstra. It's got a lot of work to do. And also on another note, Australia just added, uh, released their betting odds for the NBA championship. The Heat uh, sixth with uh, $9 to one. And apparently the Lakers are paying $81 to one to win the NBA championship. Now, I may not be a genius, self-admit it. I'm not, I'm not a genius, but... Pretty sure it's the 11th seed. They're not going to have the best chance of winning the uh, the NBA championship, but I'll, I'll move on. I 
you know, you never know. I mean, what an inspiration that would be for a team that's not even in the playoffs, some way, somehow win it, you know? Like I may put a hundred dollars on it just 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 because it might happen. Who knows? Right. Those odds are too good. I don't yeah, very inspirational. And like Christian, I know you want to add on. Yeah, I think the advantage that Miami has, aside from the home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference, uh, over other playoff teams is that they're a team who can go nine deep and still be successful. I look at the Boston Celtics and I don't see them going any more than eight deep. Same thing for Philadelphia, same thing for Milwaukee. But Miami has had players like Max Struess, like Gabe Vincent, like Caleb Martin, just come out of nowhere and drop 30 plus points in certain games and key games against Milwaukee, you know, beating Phoenix without any of their starters. So I think that Miami is underrated as a deep team in the NBA. And the fact that they have that luxury of being able to go nine deep and rest their stars a little bit longer while the other team starters are out on the floor is so, so important. So I think just the being able to conserve energy and having, uh, you know, a one through nine or even a one through 10 lineup that you can actually play in a playoff series is super important. So I actually like the way that Miami's playoff rotation could potentially look if they keep their starters. And as everyone said before, have those guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan, Dwayne Dedman, Gabe Vincent, and even Oladipo coming off the bench. Right. You know, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Heat does because, you know, you look at these players, you know, there are a lot of guys who can make a good, um, what's it called, case for why they should have playoff minutes. You know, it's like what you said, George. You know, like, you got a guy like Duncan who's making so much money. Like, you're not going to pay him all that money just so he can be out the rotation. And, you know, when you have a guy like Victor who's been hooping, you know, whenever he gets that time to play, you know, having that 40-point game against Orlando and then having that really good game against Toronto. Now, keep in mind, like, both games were, um, you know, obviously weird situations because you did have guys like Jimmy and all them out, but still... You know, there there are a lot of players who are worthy of minutes. So, you know, when you look at what Spo could do with this rotation, it will be interesting. But, you know, I'm not going to panic about it too much because at the end of the day, we know that this squad is going to be ready. You know, like any of our players can miss like 50 games straight. But the minute their name is called, they're going to be ready. They don't look rusty, you know. A huge example that comes to mind is that Victor Oladipo game against Toronto because the guy missed like three or four games before that game had took place. And he he didn't even look any type of rusty whatsoever. So overall, like, you know, it's an interesting situation. But, you know, for a guy like Spo, who's so smart and knows what to do as a coach, it's great to know that he has so much weapons to work with. You know, like, you know, what do we need to do to win this specific game against this team, you know, come playoff time? Like, he knows exactly who's going to be useful for that specific situation, and he knows how to use those weapons to his best advantage. So, overall, it's a great situation to be in, and I can't wait to see what Spo decides come playoff time. So, it's going to be really fun. Now, we've talked so much that, 
moving on, I feel like now it's time to talk about playoff expectations because I think a lot is going to have to happen if Miami wants to be ready to hold that fourth Larry O'Brien trophy. So with the competition being stacked this season, like what are some expectations that's on everyone's mind right now? Um, For this one, we'll start off with uh, you, um, Anthony. So I know George said it's it's not too big of a deal, but you can't expect to win an NBA championship after losing to the Orlando Magic. I mean, Hayward Highsmith really has to be better. There's no excuse for that. Uh, No, but seriously, obviously, like I said earlier, uh, this team has proven to me, you know, way earlier this season that they have what it takes to be a championship contender. We've seen championship heat teams. We've seen multiple. This team reminds me of that in a different way, but just the way that they carry themselves, the way that they can still get into public fights and everybody knows it's not a big deal because we know they're brothers. We've seen them be brothers all throughout this year, whether it's in the post-game interviews or even during the game, messing with each other, talking on the bench, being happy for each other's success. Those are really the signs of a championship team. Also, obviously, the depth and, and the talent that they have as well. Uh, there's a few matchups that scare me as far as the east side. Uh, obviously, the potential to match it with, still, with Brooklyn is still there. But, I mean, you know, I'm not scared of Brooklyn. I, I want Brooklyn so bad. I know or I believe Miami matches up very well with top-heavy teams, and obviously Brooklyn is one of the toppest-heavy teams. Uh, but the teams that obviously scare me the most is I do respect the Milwaukee Bucks to the, the defending champions. They have my respect. Good news is we wouldn't match up until the conference finals. Other than that, we could potentially face the Toronto Raptors in the second round. I'm not saying I'd pick the Toronto Raptors, but that series would not be a walk in the park. It would not surprise me if that series was to go six or seven games. Matchup-wise, they match up very great with us because, you know, they have six or seven players that are all similar to Bam. You know, six, nine guys that handle the ball, can stretch the uh, floor. Precious to chew a revenge game does scare me a little bit. Uh, That boy's been low-key a sniper of late. Uh, But again, that team isn't super deep. They're only really like seven deep. So you'd think maybe as the playoffs progress, they'd be a little more beat up and tired than a team like Miami would be. So as far as our playoff expectations, I I am, I will pick Miami to go out of the East, uh, probably match up against the Phoenix Suns, unless LeBron can carry the Lakers from 11 all the way to the championship. Hopefully for George's sake, I know he has money on the Lakers. Hopefully they can. Uh, But if not, you're looking for a powerhouse showdown versus the team that lost in the finals last year and the team that lost two years ago. Uh, From there should be a good matchup. Phoenix has certainly been playing really well. Um, So we'll have to see when the time comes, but I'm picking Miami to come out of the East. Right. How about you, George? Yeah, I've been like deliberating a lot since the the end of the season because there's a lot of shifting to be done, even on the last day of the season, about who we possibly have in our bracket and stuff like that. So Boston being out of our bracket kind of hurts us a little bit only because the fact that they don't have Robert Williams, which would be a really, really good thing for the Heat to match up against. Having Bam against Daniel Tice and uh, Horford again would just be food. So that would have been hilarious to watch. But if I'm looking at the most, uh, I'm not going to say obvious, but, but, but most likely outcome, Brooklyn should beat Cleveland in a playing game. I mean, Cleveland comes down to beat to to verse either Charlotte or Atlanta. Whoever they've done, they should beat them, in my opinion. So Miami versus Cleveland is actually one of the more difficult, in my opinion, the way we match up, more difficult rounds to to comprehend, only because they do have, you know, very big front court presence that we we saw it. We I was saying it before with 
the addition of uh, of trying to get you know Morris even in there as a bigger big, bigger body because Bam to play that that many minutes <clears throat> to make sure Jared Allen and the, <clears throat> sorry their multiple front court players have would just be a bit more difficult. So I reckon that game that that series could go to five to six. But I think Miami have more than enough talent and experience to get the job done there. And then we either versus Toronto or Philly. Now I'm so confident that we are <clears throat> leaps and bounds better than both of these teams that they don't, they don't bother me regardless of who we verse. I think Toronto is too, too young, you know, at their core positions, they've, they've got a lack of star talent compared to what Miami has that we could beat them. And Toronto has been only Philly all season, so they can destroy them. But even if we do versus Philly, I agree. We match up so well against them. So it's going to be a great, a great watch regardless of, of what happens there. But then we either versus Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, or Chicago. Now Chicago is probably out of there as soon as they get in. I reckon Milwaukee sweep them in four. Um, but regardless of who we verse, if they if we verse Boston, then Rob Williams should be back. If we verse Milwaukee, they're a team I really I hold in very high regard. And I think for us to win a championship, if we could do that while beating Milwaukee as, as well, would just be an extraordinary feat. So um, I'm happy with whatever happens there. But to cut a long story short, do I think we have the, what it takes to win a championship? Absolutely. We've seen it all season. And, and you know, we're the one seed for a reason. And I'm not saying that makes us, you know, any, any better than any other team. I'm just saying that it, it proves that we are one of the top dogs in the East and we are to be taken lightly. Right. And then, Kevin, what's on your mind? Yeah, so, I mean, the expectation for me is literally championship or bust, in my opinion. I think the way that this roster was constructed was strictly for that. We all know, being Heat fans, what the expectations every year are, and that's championship or nothing. And like everybody's been saying, like, I'm not going to say I'm not worried about any of the teams in our bracket um, or on our side of the bracket because, you know, you got to take every team seriously for the most part, um, even though I don't take um, Cleveland seriously just yet because I think they're too inexperienced. Philly, I just don't trust James Harden. I don't trust Doc Rivers, and their role players are all suspect outside of Tyrese Maxey. Um, Toronto, like you guys said, um, lack of star power. But even now, I just think they have a lack of scoring. I don't think they have enough scoring to match up. They have the defense to play with anybody, but scoring-wise, I don't trust them. And so, really, I just think we're the most complete team on that side. I think we should come out, and then we're more than likely going to end up seeing either Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals in um both are tough matchups obviously um Brooklyn to me I definitely think like you guys we should be able to beat them um they don't have enough defense to me Um, of course they have the firepower but I just think that's a terrible matchup for them I think Spo would out you know he would run circles around Steve Nash and then the Bucks I mean let's be honest we got to beat the Bucks like the East right now runs to the Bucks even though we're the one seed they're still the reigning defending champions and you got to slay that demon to get to the top. You know what I'm saying? If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I'm going in it thinking heat and seven. And that's just how I feel. I think it's much more balanced because you look at it, you know, 2020 in the bubble, you know, I think it was very even on both sides. 2021, they add Drew, they get a point guard. And then, you know, we get our point guard, Kyle Lowry. So I think the playing field is much more level than it was last year when they got us up out the paint last year and did us dirty and disrespectfully. But um, it just is what it is. I think. Honestly, I think everything shook out the way that it should be. And honestly, again, to me, it's championship or bust. So I expect fully 
to win this whole thing, in my opinion. Right. And uh, Christian, how about you? I definitely see a lot of potential for Miami in this postseason run as opposed to prior seasons. I think the first round matchup is more or less going to be a joke. Uh, the only real concern would be if they faced Brooklyn in the first round, if Brooklyn ended up dropping that first play in game, winning that second one, uh, it could spell a little bit of trouble for Miami. But if Miami ends up playing Cleveland, Atlanta, or Charlotte, I don't see them losing that series, especially even if it gets to seven games, which I highly doubt. I don't see them losing that. In the second round, they'll either play Philadelphia or Toronto. If I'm Miami, I'm more scared of Toronto than Philadelphia because it's not the fact that Miami Heat players are unvaccinated, but it's the fact that every time you go across the Canadian border, everyone gets COVID tested. And all of a sudden, if someone has no symptoms, but they get COVID tested, they're out due to health and safety protocols, much like what happened to BAM a couple days ago, then that could be a lot of trouble in a playoff series. But more likely than not, Miami is going to end up squaring off with Milwaukee or maybe even Brooklyn in that Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, as far as Milwaukee, I think this is Miami's revenge season on them. I don't know if they're going to sweep Milwaukee, but I could see it going to a six or seven game series with Miami coming out on top for a Brooklyn series. I think that Miami head to toe is a better team. And the fact that KD and Kyrie will likely have to play 40 plus minutes each night, even to get to the Eastern conference finals, they're going to be exceptionally tired by the time they reach Miami. So it's going to be easy for Miami to take that series against Brooklyn. Should Brooklyn get to the Eastern conference finals. Now that being said, when they come to the NBA finals, there could be a couple teams out of the West that would spell danger for Miami. Um, I'm not concerned with Phoenix. I know they've been playing great basketball the whole season, but to me, they don't have that real like pizzazz, that extra, you know, oomph to kick them over the top. They don't have that star player. I don't even think they have a top 10, maybe 15 player on their roster. You could argue uh, Devin Booker could be top 15, but other than that, I think the most dangerous team for Miami uh, would be the Grizzlies to see in the finals. I know that sounds like a little bit of a hot take, but just the way that they've played without Ja and the way that they're playing with Ja and the fact that they're a super deep team that could my, uh, match Miami rotation-wise, I think that's going to be their most difficult matchup in the NBA finals. But other than that, I could see Miami just pretty much cakewalking through the Eastern Conference and taking it to the NBA finals this season for sure. Right. You know, for me personally, you know, when you look at, the playoff picture I, I don't think you could ask for things to be any better for the heat like like let's look at it for a quick second I feel like Brooklyn will probably won't play them in the first round um all we know for sure is that they have home court advantage against Cleveland and our news just came out that Goron is out of health and safety protocols so they will have him for the game as well so I do expect them to beat Cleveland we'll see what happens and assuming that we do get Cleveland in the first round, like you guys said, you know, they are a bit inexperienced, so it should be an easy win for Miami. And then you will then have to go on to play Philly or Toronto. Um, I know a lot of you guys agree with me when I say this. Um, I don't know how you, the listeners, feel. But honestly, I take Philly over Toronto in a second game series, in a um, second round series. So if we could face them, that would be great. You know, I know Toronto is going to try really hard and you know how it is with them in size. And, you know, Christian, you brought up a great point. Like, I think like they go really insane with the testing and stuff for COVID and everything. And it was because of that reason that Spo ended up having to miss that game against Toronto and didn't come back until a couple games later. 
With all that being said, you know, assuming that we can play Philly and hopefully get the win against them, you go against arguably one of, if not the, the second best team in the East, aside from us, um, you know, Milwaukee. Like, I do think they would beat Boston or Brooklyn, whoever they end up playing in the second round. And, you know, I think it would be a showdown in time to see if Miami can finally get their revenge from what happened last season. So you go off against them and then whoever ends up coming out of the West, no, it's not going to be easy. Like I said before, this is probably the toughest that the Eastern Conference has been in a long time. But at the same time, you know, this Heat team was meant to be tough. You know, we saw these signings, you know, Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, Markeith Morris, like all these tough guys, we got them for a reason. And that's to survive these type of times, you know, because tough times don't last, but tough teams do. And I believe that was Jimmy who said that in a social media post. So whatever Jimmy says is accurate. That's not my rules. Um, that's just simple facts. So that's my take on the situation. And, you know, I feel like we've addressed so much in today's episode that before we close it out, we got to talk about the Heat Muse stat of the week. Before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is Heat M-U-S-E. Anyways, the last time Miami went into the playoffs as the one seed was back in the 2012-13 season. They swept the Bucks in the first round, beat the Bulls in five games, and then they ended the Pacers in seven, and they would go on to beat the Spurs in the finals thanks to one of the biggest plays in NBA history made by Chris Bosh and Ray Allen. With that all being said, what do you guys make of this specific statistic? Uh, give us your thoughts, George. For me personally, this this is a, a stat that may contradict what I just said before. But I, I besides getting home court advantage in the in the the ECF, I don't think it means that much. I, I don't think that it guarantees you any sort of security or or anything like that. It's a means of redundant number that 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 really just determines who you're going to play. Now, it puts you in the best position to get the best results. Absolutely, you know, you're versing a team. That that <clears throat> you're going to versus a team that that lost one of their playing games, um, or you're going to versus a team that had to battle from tenth or ninth to get there. So, I'm I don't think it gives any sort of security to the to what result you're going to get, but it's a nice number to have. We clinched the top of the East, which is a nice thing to say. But yeah, besides that, I think it's a pretty insignificant stat in the grand scheme of things, but. It's 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 good to know that that last time it happened we won so let's hope we can repeat history. Okay, at least at least you sounded a little optimistic to end it, so I'll give you that, George. Um, and then Anthony, how about you? Yeah, I know, Joel, man. I, you said a couple times this pod if the Heat win, if we do this, man. I don't know. He uses telling you, man. Uh, last time we was number one, we won the championship, man. So I'm feeling good. I know this is actually the fourth time they were number one. The other two times they, they didn't win, uh, but they were close because the last time before this was 2005. Obviously, they lost because Shaq and Wade got hurt, and then they ended up winning the next year. So it's good to know. Obviously, the most important thing is that home court advantage, particularly against the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think is our toughest matchup. It does suck, though. If we did beat the Magic, we actually would have had home court versus Golden State. Uh, but I'm not going to get too upset about that because, you know, I don't want to jump too far into the future there. Because, uh, you know, of course, who even knows who makes it out of the West? So having that home court is a big advantage. 
especially since we do have a lot of young guys, you think they're going to be, you know, likely to shoot better at home, except for Duncan Robinson. That was a, a weird thing this year. For some reason, he was he was better on the road. But regardless, that home court is huge. And uh, I think it's going to help us a lot come playoff time. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Christian? I think that's a really interesting stat. And as far as Miami getting the first seed, it's pretty important because as we were all saying, that home court advantage against not only Milwaukee, but every Eastern Conference team. I know we kind of disregard uh, Philadelphia, Boston, Toronto. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I'm saying that it totally helps to have that number one seed. So as far as the best setup for Miami, it is getting the number one seed, which they achieved. And it is cool that the last time they had the number one seed, they actually you know went ahead and won the whole thing. So it's really great to see. And hopefully that's a sign of things to come in the next couple of weeks. Right. And you, Kevin? Um. I'm kind of under the same impression as George on this one. Like, nothing against Heat Mules, nothing but love, keep doing your thing. But, I mean, to me, it always means nothing. Like, aside from what Christian just said, like, you know, potentially playing the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, then it will come in handy. But, like, outside of that, like, you know, I remember everybody was going crazy when Philly had the one seed last year. There was a lot of people talking about Philly's going to win and this and that. And I was like, no, Philly is not a championship team. So, not saying that's the case of this Heat team, because I do think this Heat team is clearly a championship team. I've said that a few different times on this episode, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a cool stat. I hope it works out in our favor. I really do, but it's not the end all be all, because at the end of the day, we all know the players got to go out there and do their job. So um, that's that's how I feel about it. Right. I agree with you guys 100%. You know, obviously, you know, the one seed, we've seen it in the past. I mean, the last time that a one seed from the East has made it to the finals was back in 2016 when the Cavs did it. So there's only so much you can say about the Heat being the one seed right now. But, you know, I mean, like you guys said, it is a cool stat. And, you know, shout-outs to Heat Muse for bringing that up. And hopefully the Heat could, you know, carry on and do exactly what that 2013 team did. Because we know how special that squad was. And we know how special this squad is as well. So overall, that's basically all there is to talk about for today's episode. Um, Thank you guys for hopping in, Anthony, Christian, Kevin, George. And, you know, to all those listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, And before we close it out, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast. While checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you can still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even while we're not recording a new episode. Anyways, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat versus the World podcast.